you know, a narrative wise in the comic books, that golden eagle armor is supposed to be a weapon of last resort for something that's very, very serious. Right. But I also felt like when she's talking to Steve about flying, what's it like? What would have made that moment stronger? And this ties into some of the things that could have fixed the film is if, okay, if Steve is a corporeal presence, sure, he's physically there now because of the wish, but if they were back at her apartment and she surrenders her wish and her powers are regained and her putting on the suits and flying for the first time and test because the suit has wings. And so that would be her first time using it and her remembering Steve's words about what's it like to fly. It would tie in as to her, you know, regaining her power, gaining the ability to fly and learning to let go of Steve all at once. Sir. Whereas this felt like they didn't, they had all the elements there. They just didn't put them together properly. Email Patty. Wonder Woman 1984 was the movie everyone could not wait to see. The first one was so good, so a lot was riding on the second one set in 1984. The film was supposed to come out early last year, but because of the panorama, it got pushed to December, where it was the first big studio film coming to both theaters and stream on HBO Max on the same day. Well, the streaming service subscriptions went up, the film made money. The only downside, it wasn't that good, which is unfortunate because I'm a Princess Diana fan. My guest Evi, an inspiring filmmaker, says Wonder Woman is one of his favorite superheroes and we chat about the odd choices made in the film. Evi gives us the comic book origin stories of the villains and offers up the story he will put on screen if asked to direct Princess D. All of that is coming up right after this quick break. Welcome back to Shh, Grown Folks Talking. I am with aspiring filmmaker and friend of the pod, Evi, to talk about Wonder Woman 1984. My general theory is that a good comic book movie is good story, great actions, good characters. There's a bonus if, uh, or I find it a bonus if the movie is funny and it gives a little fan service. But I feel that Wonder Woman 1984 fell short so we're just going to break this down into three parts. Character, story, and action. Let's start with character. Evi, your thoughts on Wonder Woman. Um, I feel like, you know, Wonder Woman's, Gal Gadot's performance is consistent with how she was in the first movie. So I didn't necessarily have too many complaints about how her portrayal was and like what her characterization was. So I'd say she stayed fairly consistent as to who she was in the first movie and kind of in the later films. So there isn't really much to say. I think she was perfectly fine with what she was given. What I wanted to know, there was a part where she was flying. So I wanted to know from, like I didn't read the comics, but I watched the series back in the day and in Justice League, she leaps is flying a part of her powers because from what I remember, she has the invisible invisible jet. So that's how she gets around. So it's flying a part of her powers. So flying is actually a recent implementation. So that didn't get added into the comic books until like after the Wonder Woman TV show um, where her main mode of transport was the invisible jet. Then it got changed in order to like simplify things but people go back and forth of whether or not they want her to fly or 
they wanted to have like something that gives her the ability to fly. And that was mainly as a way of separating some of the abilities because, you know, Superman should be like, he's the guy known for flying. Wonder Woman, Batman has his Batmobile. Wonder Woman should have her thing. Mm -hmm. But it threw me because in Justice League, which is in the future, she doesn't fly. So, and this is something that I'm not sure how much you've seen of what Patty Jenkins has said in regards to 1984 and that she never described it as a sequel. She said, she okay. says she made another, she always describes it as, I made another Wonder Woman movie and the characters just happen to be from the previous Wonder Woman movie, but she doesn't identify it as a sequel. And this was way before she started filming it. So, and she still stands by that statement even during filming it. And she stood by that statement before the movie premiered on HBO Max. So it's this strange thing of what exactly does that mean? so much stuff happens that continuity wise it doesn't make any sense that leads me to my next question which is steve trevor if you're saying if patty's saying it's not a sequel then you the whole point of her wish was she wanted steve trevor back we lost steve trevor in the first one so what isn't this sequel territory yeah that's that's why it's, it's confusing. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's confusing why she would choose to keep mentioning that, yes, it's another Wonder Woman movie, but it's not a sequel yet. That's a very key part of the previous film. So it it really feels like there's a lot of contradicting elements. What she's describing the film as and stuff that happens in it that just kind of I don't exactly know where you're going with how you're trying to justify what the film is. Mm -hmm. And it's not like she's doing this as backtracking or anything of defending. She said this way, way before they started filming, gave everyone a warning of, I'm gonna do something really strange, but I don't think we anticipated how far that exactly was gonna go. I actually do really like Pina Steve Trevor. Mm -hmm. Their relationship works really well and I still like their moments in it. But for me, it's how are we going to get into spoilers with this? Oh, all the way. All the way. All the way. Yes. So for those of you listening, pretty much the basic plot of Wonder Woman 1984 is that there's this wish granting item. And with this wish granting item, it gives you something to take something away from you. And so I see Wonder Woman's wish is that she had Steve Trevor back. And the thing that gets taken away from her is her abilities slowly start to fade away. Okay, that seems like enough. I don't understand why he has to possess another guy. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts on that are. So yes, I'm so glad you take me, took me there because that was gonna be my question with the whole uh, Magic Stone thing because everybody who got their wish got their wish fulfilled to the fullest. Barbara wanted to become more like Diana so she did, and then she made a second wish to be an apex predator. Max wanted to own all the oil, so he did. And his consequence was like his health was fading throughout the thing. Wonder Woman's wish for Street Trevor, which would have been fine. I would have felt her on that. But the stone possessed this other guy who doesn't look like Steve Trevor, and only she, now she can see Steve. So where did that other guy's spirit go? Like, why him? That just seemed so bizarre. I would have understood it better if Steve Trevor's spirit 
was in the guy, but he looked, he didn't look like him. So it's yeah, like- If it was like somebody who looks exactly like him and then it, I guess you could justify it that way, but it still doesn't justify the need for a possession or another, or for a Steve Trevor of that time, of that era to exist. Right. When, whenever somebody grants their wish, it's not, of course there is that trade-off, but what if the way she was trying to, Patty was trying to implement it was by wishing for Steve, she loses somebody she could possibly be with yeah. during that time period. Yeah. But then yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, that could explain the whole body possession thing, mm -hmm. but they made it clear that her trade away was her powers. Exactly. So it feels there's two conflicting mindsets as to how that was supposed to work. Like yeah. I like the idea behind it and it does bring up, you know, there's always this thing called the Superman problem, which is how do you write a story about somebody who can't get hurt? And Wonder Woman, she's not as strong as Superman, but obviously it's, hey, what can hurt her? There are not many things that can actually cause her pain or cause her some form of suffering. So I understood from a narrative point of view why they chose to do that route, but it's just the body possession thing conflicts with what's already happening to her. Exactly. It was just an odd move that didn't really add to the story, especially considering the other characters got what they wanted. Exactly. And she sort of got it. Let's move on to Cheetah. How close was this character to the comic? Okay, so this is something that I brought up to you before in previous conversations and that I understood what they were doing with her character. I just thought that was the wrong character for Kristen Wiig. What did you understand play? and why do you think it was wrong? So the character that we see in the Wonder Woman 1984 has more in common with another Wonder Woman villain Ooh. called Silver Swan. And so the reason why I say that is because so Silver Swan, her thing is she's an unnoticed, like nobody really pays attention to her. And here's the thing. So in the comics, she makes a wish to Ares, the god of war, and Ares grants her wish, but the trade-off is, okay, if you want to permanently look like this beautiful and powerful woman, you need to kill Wonder Woman. And so she can only turn into this beautiful woman with this silver costume and silver wings if she has the intent to kill Wonder Woman. Okay. That makes sense with, you know, she's not wishing to Ares in this movie, but it's a wish granting stone. So it would still follow the comic book in a strange way. It's still granted through a wish and the trade-off is she needs to get rid of Wonder Woman in order to permanently be this powerful version of herself. And that would work with the first one because in the first movie, Ares was the big villain. So yeah. then what's the Cheetah character in the comic? So the Cheetah character, there are two types there in the comic book, but the one that's currently popular now is that she starts off as Wonder Woman's best friend. And not only that, she's supposed to be like confident, very powerful, very sexy woman who does have that tinge of, I'm physically Diana. Why do people get gravitated towards her over me? Okay, that makes that sense. That sort of thing. So, and also she's an archeologist. So she's like, I study history so much. I know everything about history. I've read all these books, whereas Diana's, well, you might kind of be wrong in a few places because you know Wonder Woman has lived for how long? <laughs> Right, so, right, right, hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So obviously it is this little bit of, they start off as friends, but there is that bit of, I want to be better than her mentality. Again, that and makes so, sense. That makes sense yeah. in a, if they stuck to either one of those characters, like origin story, I could definitely see, you know, we are friends and then we become frenemies and that's the conflict between Wonder Woman and Cheetah. Then I can see your silver swan character in Wonder Woman 
how she wants to wear the same chick, but in order for me to be better, then I must defeat her. The In the movie, Barbara Minerva, she kind of is, I want the attention of a man, which I was like, ah, really? In 2020? Wonder Woman is definitely one of the few female superheroes that we have. So, and the first one is very much, very much about females and women doing it for themselves and, and stuff like that, which I think is great. And then we get this character with Barbara, who I want the attention of a man. I can't get the attention of a man, so I'm going to wish to be sexy to get the attention of a man. And then the other side is I get too much attention and get sexually harassed. And so now I must kill. I'm just like, ma'am, her reasoning. It was hard for me to figure out why Cheetah was mad at Wonder Woman. Like, why are we enemies in the film? Yeah, like, I understood that what was taken away from her is her humanity. Mm. Anything that, so I can guess her jealousy just gets amplified. Okay. But it felt like we didn't spend enough time of them being friends enough to justify her suddenly going on this rampage against Wonder Woman. But the big difference between that is when... Barbara in the comics when she does eventually become Cheetah she actually doesn't become Cheetah by choice she winds up in a situation where this cult used her as a sacrifice in order to turn her into their Cheetah goddess but they made a mistake in that the sacrifice is supposed to be a virgin so it goes horribly wrong and so now she's cursed as this thing so she blames all of her frustrations towards Diana gets thrown at her with this mindset of like you couldn't save me and now I'm oh. stuck like this. Oh. And as she starts thinking of this mentality of, you're just doing this because you're afraid that maybe someday people would start acknowledging me as your equal. Or So now, let's talk about Max Lord. A, did you think they needed to have two villains with Cheetah and Max Lord? And then your thoughts on Max Lord. I feel like they honestly could have separated this into two different movies. I understand that with Max Lord's, that's not... That's not the version of Max Lord that's in them is not necessarily one that she can fight. Oh, really? Technically, because you know, there's always that need in a superhero film that you always need to have the final big bad confrontation be a punching match, mm-hmm. essentially. But this was something that Patty was really against with, especially in the first Wonder Woman, because um, I don't know if you've read that the original ending she wasn't fighting Ares. Yes. At the end, yeah, there was a completely different ending that did involve Ares, but it was more like the philosophical battle between okay. the two of them, where she overcomes it. I know that she's not like succumbing to war and just to accept that humanity has this within them, but it takes a different set to overcome war, overcome violence, and you don't solve that by implementing more violence. So that was Patty's original version, and then the she had to change it is that kind of it wasn't the studio's idea to change it it's just whenever they had a test screening for the film and it's evidence because a lot of people who did see the movie said that they hated the ending where there was no fighting that was me that was me i I thought the film the first one was great like i was with it the whole time and then the end i just it, it, it and because also you have to remember dr poison was it her like she just kind of not important anymore, which I, I thought that was a missed opportunity. That last scene just kind of soured the over my overall rating for the film. I was like, ah, 
it was going so well and then it just kind of took an odd detour for no reason. This is one of those things that I take issue sometimes with test screenings. You know, sometimes if an audience says, why, did no, why didn't she fight anybody at the end? Suddenly studios are going to get nervous and be like, hey, you got to change this. Right. And it's right. like, what if it's just that particular group of people? And I feel like as a way to remedy that, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't try to beat the crap out of him. She just tries to talk to him. Or the people. Remember, yeah. like, she, yes, the, I'm not talking yeah. to you, I'm talking to everybody else. Yeah, yeah. but her first try was she wants to talk to him out of it. That's true. And so that's why I feel like they added Cheetah in here because they needed someone for her to punch. That's pretty much my only reasoning of how I could validates a reason for cheetah to be in the film mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. she need they just needed her to have somebody to fight and sure while they can have her like fight a bunch of soldiers which she does in the movie it's like yeah but you want to see her fight a villain right and Correct. so they need they decide okay let's give her her arch nemesis the number one character that comic book fans know that she will always have a hard time fighting. And this is somebody she will constantly fight if they continue to bring Kristen Wiig back in the movies. Because if I remember correctly, she didn't renounce her wish. So technically, right. so technically she's still the cheetah. All right, let's move on to story. Let's move on to story. Did you think the opening scene tied in with the overall story? I feel like it kind of does, but the problem is that it felt so separate from the entire film. And also it takes hours before we get to the point that they were trying to make to the opening that you're kind of having a hard time remembering <laughs> what exactly the point was. Even though it's, yeah, looking back in hindsight, you can see what they were trying to go for, but it was so spread apart. Well, that that's my question is, I was a bit confused as to what they were trying to go for because the opening scene, the opening point or message was you can't cheat, like you shouldn't cheat. So is, is Steve, is, is bringing back Steve and the wish that's kind of the cheat? What they're trying to tie into is you can't believe in a lie. Cheating and lying, they're equating that as one singular thing. Okay. Which is almost like you can't believe in a fantasy. You can't believe it. You can't make stuff up in order to make yourself feel better about okay. it. Okay. Which, you know, you could kind of see that as cheating in a sort of way, but it- It's muddled. I, yeah. I rewatched it last night and that's like, I'm still, I sort of picked up a little bit on that, but it wasn't as concrete in the film. What, at what point in the film did your expectations go from good to not good? When was there a turn? I think the turn was, I think it was odd that it's the point when Steve first comes back because- that early? Gotta put it out there, like I do like the film, but I'm not gonna say it's good. <laughs> We're same page, same page. Like, like I, I like the film. I like the film, but you can't think too hard about it. I think the best way to describe it, it feels like a whiplash if you were to watch the two of them back to back mm. because they feel so drastically different from one another. I think it's also with, because Diana is on a mission to go after Max. And then suddenly when Steve shows up, it feels for 10 minutes straight, it feels she forgot what her mission was which makes sense, but strange how near the end of that 10 minutes when she's waking up in bed with Steve, she's like, I should probably figure out why you're back. And my thing was, this could have worked better if she sees Steve and it's like, I got, okay, I got to figure out what the hell's going on. This probably is tied in with Max. Come with mm. me right now. We got to like yeah, 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 get yeah. this out together on the way. Just help me. 
that sort of thing if it just felt like it was driving up the momentum and i think that was that's going to be one of my big criticisms about it is and this is actually a criticism that i have with a lot of blockbuster films recently in general especially the superhero genre where there seems to be this requirement to have movies be two hours and 30 minutes in length or over two hours and i know patty loves a very specific type of 80s movie because I've, the past two years, I've been recently watched some very 80s cult hits. And yeah, things. we talked, we, we, I have yeah. a, I have an episode about Big Trouble Little China that I'm going to bring out yeah. later on. Yes, uh, definitely yeah. 80s, vintage 80s. Go ahead. Yeah, very specific 80s types of films. And it's clear that Patty really loves those films. This movie feels it was bringing back the flavor of it. Trying to, yeah. sir. It was bringing back the flavor of it, but the one thing that I'll say is those movies have the advantage of being one hour and 30 minutes or one hour and 40 minutes. So when the craziness happens, it's so compact that it happens so rapid succession that you don't think about all the stuff that goes wrong until it's done. But because the film is stretched out to like two hours and 30 minutes, there are huge gaps between the craziness that you're like, wait, how does that actually work and how does that actually like factor into that's bit that was one of the before reading the critiques that was one thing i noticed i was like this movie i felt the time in it which you don't want in a superhero movie it just felt long and i said 30 minutes could have easily been cut out of this film yeah that's what i was saying yeah it was i'd say it's an hour long to be like an 80s throwback film but mm-hmm. it's 30 minutes too long to be its own good, decent film. Absolutely. If that makes any sense. So. I No, I totally agree. For the 80s thing, she, the critiques that I was reading was, it wasn't a lot of 80s reference. You just had him dressed in 80s. She didn't really dress very much 80s, which I can kind of understand. She's been around for a long time. So her wardrobe is going to be kind of in the middle. But not a whole, like the music, like somebody was like, not even your 80s music, at least in Captain Marvel, when they were in the 90s, you saw like she had a nine inch nail, she saw, you saw peaks of that era in the, in her styling. And like the final scene was, I'm just a, was a no doubt song was like, ah, all right. Just like that attention to detail just made that era seem to come alive. And I feel like for me, I didn't get a lot of 80s vibe as I would if I'm watching like a Stranger Things type film or shut series where they definitely refer to the 80s and you can see it almost, you can turn the volume down and be like, this is an 80s setting. Go ahead. For me, it becomes such the thing to do that the fact that they step back on not having too much of an 80s soundtrack where recognizable 80s pop songs in there, I felt like that would have annoyed the hell out of me. Really? Yeah, because it was endearing in Guardians of the Galaxies for having like these songs from different eras has more of a sentimental thing attachment to Star-Lord and his story of why the music is important to him. Yeah, and Captain Marvel, I actually got super annoyed with no doubt. Really? So we yeah. are at I, different ends. Yeah, I actually wasn't a big fan of that movie. So. Oh, it, really? Yeah. We don't have time to get into that one. That, yeah. we will table for another day. Yeah, I feel like for me, we've reached I love the mall where... scene though. I will say I love the mall. I feel like the mall scene was great giving me the 80s feel and the 80s vibe and i didn't really feel that line go through a whole lot in the film go ahead 
for me, it was just because of the recent retro trend that's not just been happening due to Stranger Things and a bunch of other film, like mainstream films, a bunch of indie films also were aping that a little bit. And then it got to the point where it's like, I've been recently listening to new retro wave music. Kind of wish if you're going to go for an 80s aesthetic, even if this new retro wave music isn't actually from the 80s, at least it will give a different sound that still reminds people of the 80s time period. Where okay, so you want kind of want of a, a little blend, like a little 80s, but maybe a little like a repackage or like an 80s remix? Something like that, but it's more or less, I feel like I hear the same songs played okay. over and over again. So that was okay. more of the annoyance that I was getting. So okay. it was more or less like me just being thankful that there was only one 80s song that was probably used in Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. So it didn't bother me that much, but I do agree. This is something that me and my friends said. You technically didn't have to set this in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we, we kind of slightly defer, but that's why you're here. So let's move on to the plot. What did they get wrong? And what did they get right? They had something good with the idea there. That concept, of course, has been done to death. You know, horror films and sci-fi films of, you know, be careful what you wish for sort yes, of thing. Yes, yes. So, but this is obviously on the biggest scale possible. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a great thing for Wonder Woman to go through. I'll say the thing that I like about this is that I prefer the villains in this movie and their drive over the antagonists in the first movie. Even though the first movie I feel is vastly superior to this one, the villains in this movie were just way, they put more thought into them. You know, a lot of people have made sense to Maxwell Lord being an analog to Donald Trump. Yes. I didn't necessarily, I saw it from the initial appearance, but personality wise, I didn't see it. I agree. And I think I, that made me appreciate it even more that they didn't go for the easy route. Mm -hmm. And they went for, no, this guy is actually in a really bad spot and really trying to do something. Which yeah, is not it, like that in the comic book, I'll say that. So. Well, hold that comic book uh, thought because I'm going to go back to that. The 45ism is not really his character, but with the fallout. The yeah, division in the, in the world, which I was like, oh, this movie would have came out in May. So... I feel like that was a wink, wink, not, not even a wink, wink, not, not like this is a reflection of the times. What threw me or what confused me was when they were in the Middle East and he was talking about the wall and have the land like that exposition confused me because I was just confused as to that was his wish and why that was his wish. And maybe because I don't know the history of that country. So it, it seemed very bizarre to put in a film about Wonder Woman. I'd say it definitely deals with, from that from that country, there are definitely issues between different tribes. So I understand why that would be something that brought up in there. So it didn't feel as outlandish to me. The wall thing felt very specific of, yeah, this is our commentary. They're not going to put it in anything that can reference Latino. That <laughs> so makes sense. They were using an issue that we're currently having here. Mm -hmm. but just using a different culture to showcase it. I didn't, that makes that makes so much more sense as an analogy. I was taking it more like a, I don't, I don't know the history of this. I thought more wishes when the guy was like, oh, I, I hope you dropped dead or I hope you did that, like more person to person wishes. 
I thought that was maybe a little more effective because you have an argument with somebody, you say something say something that you out of anger, and then this is the result. So I felt like that was kind of a more effective way to get that point across. So interesting, interesting. Let's go on. Oh, what is the comic origin story of Max Lord? Because from what I remember, he is more of a villain for Supergirl and not necessarily Wonder Woman, but I could be wrong. Okay, so the one thing that Maxwell Lord is famous for in to the recent comic book community is he's the one man that Wonder Woman has killed in public. So that's why a lot of people, when it got announced that Maxwell Lord is going to be the villain, people are like, oh, what type of consequences does this bring about? Yeah, that's and, serious. Yeah, and so I had to do my own deep dive. So the version that they have in the movie is more closer to, I believe, his 60s or 70s interpretation. Okay. When he was first introduced in that he's this businessman who funds, who helps supports the Justice League. He's their benefactor. He sees this as a business move. It would benefit him. I help the superheroes with what they need. Don't, don't come at me for any of the horrible things that I do. He's not Lex Luthor evil, but he's just, you know, trying to cover up whatever he's doing by saying, I am doing all these good things. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm helping Superman. I'm helping the woman. I'm helping Batman, even though technically he doesn't need money. Yeah, but then he starts realizing, you know, the, all these troubles of, okay, these superheroes are causing problems whenever they cause damage. He's, you know, he's their benefactor. So, of course, there's going to be a financial loss. Stocks are going to drop because of, you know. Kind of like the boys. Yeah, and, um, his involvement. What's the boys? Voth? Voth? Voth, yes. Yeah, Voth. So eventually it reaches a point where he feels like, okay, I got to find a way to control them. And so that's when his turn from being, you know, just a business guy who's kind of their friend, but also does some shady stuff on the side, he starts evolving into a villain. And then by the time it reaches the 90s and the early 2000s, he's a full-fledged villain and he gains mind control powers. He uses this as a way of okay, I'm going to try and control the Justice League, make them you know, all these things, but then eventually it becomes, okay, I can make them do what I want, so now I can fix all the problems in the world as long as I have them under my control. And now, obviously, I forgot how Wonder Woman was not affected by this. I'm assuming it's a crown. Yes, Maybe, yes. but she uses the lasso of truth on him, and she's because she wants to know the truth, he asks him, what is the only way to stop you? And he says, you had to kill me. And she's like, okay. <laughs> she breaks his neck, and a lot of people see it. And that puts a strain on the Justice League and their image in the public. Because they don't kill, right? Here's the thing. Aquaman definitely does and Wonder Woman definitely does, but they are never seen doing it. Okay. Gotcha. Like, you know, whenever they fight soldiers or anything, like, of course, Wonder Woman, she doesn't have an issue with it, but, you know, it's got to be for a war setting or something mm -hmm. that actually... Now, so she doesn't have that same moral problem that Superman and Batman have where it's like, they will just never kill. Whereas Wonder Woman is like, okay, I see there is no reasoning with you at this point. Well, I'll bring it back to the movie, um, and we'll, that, which will lead it to my last, our last point, which is action. With Cheetah, remember she says, please, Barb, please, Barbara, don't. And Barbara's like, no. So she was like, I'm so sorry. So she puts it down in the water as she's getting electrocuted. So I was like, whoa, that, that took me. I was like, oh, that? serious but she takes her out and puts her on the ground so you know nobody no death going to action and before i go to action did you find it surprising that barbara knew diana was wonder woman and so did max because in the at the white house 
she calls her, she doesn't call her Wonder Woman. She says Diana. Did they miss something? Or is Barbara super smart? Because in comic book history, even though Diana Prince and Wonder Woman look exactly the same, no one can figure out that they are the same person. I mean, the arguments I could put there is that nobody actually calls her Wonder Woman in that movie. Okay. So I can put that argument there. And I mean, it's not like Diana was wearing glasses. She did in the Linda Carter years. And Diana never really hid her identity in the comic books that much. Okay. So okay. it was kind of this this thing of nobody just questions the fact that this museum director kind of looks exactly like somebody there or it's they dress completely different so you're not thinking of this woman could possibly be that woman. Is a stretch. And for Maxwell Lord it is that whole thing of he saw Diana attack him in her costume so it's not exactly a stretch for him to like be like okay and I'm pretty sure he would remember her because he was like straight up flirting with her more so than Barbara when they first met. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I'm pretty sure he would remember her over Barbara, but he, that's the it, only it, way that I can reason with it. I thought it was a turn. I was like, oh, let's stop pretending that these people don't look alike. So back to the last part of our conver- of our three three tier character story, action. How would you rank the action sequences. You have Wonder Woman and the Amazonians in the beginning scene, Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor in the White House which versus Cheetah, Wonder Woman and them wings that they built up, sir, with the- Yeah, the that's arm- something else I wanted to talk about. Where Please. Back to the thing you asked me about her flying. I felt like, you know, a narrative wise, in the comic books, that golden eagle armor is supposed to be a weapon of last resort for something that's very, very serious. Right. So she's never supposed to use that unless it, things get really bad. Dire, dire. And they showed us when yeah. all the men were attacking and the reason why the Amazonians gave materials to make it super, 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 duper strong. Yeah. But I also felt like, you know, when she's talking about, when she's talking to Steve about flying, what's it like? What would have made that moment stronger? And this ties into some of the things that could have fixed the film is if, okay, if Steve is a corporeal presence, sure, he's physically there now because of the wish, but if they were back at her apartment and she surrenders her wish and her powers are regained and her putting on the suits and flying for the first time and test because the suit has wings. And so that would be her first time using it and her remembering Steve's words about what's it like to fly. It would tie in as to her, you know, regaining her power, gaining the ability to fly and learning to let go of Steve all at once. Sir. Whereas this felt like, you know, they didn't, they had all the elements there. They just didn't put them together properly. Email Patty, just email her and tell her. This would have been so much, I totally agree. When I rewatched it, she's flying. Remember she's flying, learning how to fly. And then she flies to find Max Lord. And then when you see her again, she has the armor on. I was like, what? Cause in the beginning, when she's flying, it's her regular suit, lasso, and then the armor comes. And I was like, did she go home, get the armor and go back to flying again? It just came out of nowhere. But yes, that whole, like his thoughts of him teaching her how would have tied definitely in with the wings because the wings was so beautiful and it got no screen time with Cheetah. She scratched it up, opened it up and then Wonder Woman just got rid of it. I was like, we, I didn't, I want more wings. Can we get more wings? Okay, so you had that armor and Doomsday is a much more bigger threat. Justice League and that crossover, it's like, 
that seems like a bigger problem. Why didn't you use it there? So again, it's that whole thing of, is this a sequel or is it not? Right. And the last thing I thought of was she learns how to fly. And then when she's fighting Cheetah, she uses the lasso. Like she gets around with the lasso and they're swinging. And I said, if she learned how to fly, she don't really need the lasso because she could just fly. But yeah. that's either here or there. Okay, ranking the action. So Amazonians, her and Steve versus Cheetah, her with the wings, and her and Max Lord from least to best. If I were to rank it, I'd say the mall sequence is my number one action. Second one would be the... I love how you went on a detour. You told me, I had four, you put in the mall sequence, and I totally agree. Go ahead! Yeah, and then there's the Arab car chase, which would be my second. Yeah, Third yeah. would be the fight at the White House between between Sheeta and Diana. Yeah. And after that would be the actual fight between Golden Armored Wonder Woman and Cheetah, and the last one would be the Amazonian sequence at the beginning. And you I think taking out Max Lord completely because that really wasn't a fight. Yeah, that wasn't a fight for me. Like you could consider that a fight, but I'm talking about from a standpoint of action and entertainment, whereas that one is more of the dramatic tension of it all. All right, we're winding down. They've already greenlighted Wonder Woman three. If you could email Patty, PJ, what would you tell her? What would be your your notes on making making a good film, finishing out this franchise? If they want to do a tentpole type series, I mean, I don't know because so I don't think I've mentioned this to you, but Wonder Woman and Thor are my favorite superhero characters. So, so what do you what are you telling Patty to do? Are you telling her to stick to more of the comic? like pick a comic book storyline and kind of hone in on that or telling her to do a remix. What, what are you telling her for this Wonder Woman, the third, the, the not the sequel, the next Wonder Woman movie? Yeah, whatever D she decides to call it. <laughs> yes. Because if she's not making sequels, then what is she making? <laughs> but I'm not entirely sure because for me personally, all I know is that I have my ideas of what I would do if I was making a Wonder Woman movie. What are your my... ideas then? Let's cut Patty up. Patty, okay. we're going to sit you down for a second. We're going to give it to Evi. Evi, give me your treatment for how you want to take Wonder Woman since she's one of your top two comic book heroes. Go ahead. Okay. This is something that I would have honestly have done for the second film, but it could also kind of in a weird way function as the third film. Hit me. All right, so we start off with her in World War II. The first one was in World War I. This one starts in World War II. She's stopping this Nazi cult who's being led by this woman called Paula Baroness von Gunther, who she, she is the first arch nemesis of Wonder Woman back during when she was first published, and this was anti-Nazi propaganda. Okay. That which that was going on. And Paula von Gunther is essentially the right hand woman of Hitler in there. But the thing is, like, she actually doesn't buy into the whole like Nazi thing, but she does believe that the only way to achieve world peace is by eliminating people who disagree with you. Okay. All right. And so she uses that as her reasoning of okay, this is why I'm aligning them. And this is why her and Diana are like polar opposites in that both of them want peace and they want war to end. It's just they both have different ways of coming at it, of looking at it. Okay. But she's also a Valkyrie. So Valkyries in Viking and Norse mythology are essentially these angelic beings that are called shield maidens. They're warrior women who do the bidding of the king god of war. 
and they fight side by side with Thor. And they pretty much... So you mix in Marvel and DC, sort of, but... Not really. So they actually do have in-story explanation as to like, okay, why is it that in the Marvel universe, the Greek the Greek pantheon is not really around? And why is it that in the DC universe, the Norse pantheon is not really around? And this one, I would tie it in with that idea of, well, Ragnarok actually did happen in this universe. And the only survivor is this one Valkyrie. So all the gods, like Thor's dead, Odin's dead, all of them are dead. So she comes back after maybe being asleep thousands of years, and the Nazis are the ones who found her. Because if you know the song, you know, Ride of the Valkyries, that sort of thing, that's, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of Germans have a lot of ties with Nordic things. So Okay, education. I, I am fascinated. Keep going. Yeah, so I would have had it tied in where... The other reason why she's all about protecting Germany is because these are her people. Okay. So she feels she has an oath. Okay, I want world peace, but also these are my people. So therefore, these are the ones that I'm going to protect no matter what. So you are of the mindset of a villain who believes what they are doing is right. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I tie it in is I trick people into thinking, okay, so we're doing a World War II movie, but then... What her idea is, like, she wants to reverse, she wants to reverse the effects of Ragnarok. So she wants to affect the flow of time. And so there would be this device that I haven't, I don't know specifically which one from the comic books I choose from that would cause it, but it would cause her and a small group of Nazis, one of their U-boats, to be sent to disappear right when Wonder Woman is about to defeat them. And so Wonder Woman is like, okay, I guess World War II is over, so mm -hmm. I can just go away. We go back to modern times, that's where they reappear. Wonder Woman is working at the museum, but she's also been like, she might come back. She's always going to come back. I don't know when she's coming back. Whatever, 2000 to 2020, if we want to have it be the year that she does come back. Mm -hmm. She sees all this social unrest and she sees this as like, oh, things haven't changed. And oh, I should probably, the alignment of my philosophy isn't in Germany anymore, it's in America. I'll say you put it to paper. You never yeah. know. Think you might got a gem on here and I don't want no one copywriting it. This is a copyrighted trademark idea that you have. Hold on, hold on. Cause I think you got a money maker. So this would be kind of the start of your version of Wonder of where you would like your Wonder Woman movie to be. Yeah. Wow, okay. We've talked about Wonder Woman 1984, and I know plenty of people have been, will review this movie, but we added an extra bonus on how it could be better and possibly planted a seed for the next iteration of Wonder Woman once, once someone gives Evi a bunch of money and carte blanche to do what he wants. That's all I had to say, dude. Did you have anything that you wanted to add? One thing that I did notice is there was this feeling of the only one who should direct a Wonder Woman movie is a woman. So well, there is this, there is that general feeling now, especially while I can agree with that, I'm glad that Patty is ultimately the one who wound up directing the first one because I felt like that was important. Yeah. Like historically important also. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, where does that leave me where I was a kid who was into Greek mythology and all these ancient cultures and looking for something and discover these two superheroes are tied into that. So what does that say for me, who's a guy? Trying to direct who, a female. No, yeah. it's tricky. That's what, that's what I'll say. I agree. I 
like the fact that they gave Patty a chance, totally. But I do see the other side of the argument where I see the side of the argument of we have we don't have a lot of female directors. We're not giving them the big blockbuster movies, and she she is setting a precedent for letting other female direct letting female directors direct movies. But is that taken away from another director, a male director directing a female focused film? You saw in Justice League when they showed the Amazons and how they're dressed versus in Wonder Woman, the first one, and how they're dressed. And it's just like the male gaze versus the non-male gaze. So it is dicey water because my other side of it is if it's a good story, it's a good story. Whoever can direct that story effectively, I'm all, I'm all in. Because what you want is to see your heroes like I said, Wonder Woman, she's my she's kind of my number one hero because she was the only girl in the superhero genre that we've grown up with. So I want to see her win. I want to see her on top. I want to see more films with her. She has a great following, nostalgia, and building and bringing in new characters. Yeah, but if your idea is good, it's a conundrum because I see both sides of the argument. We will have to tackle that issue another time. Once again, thanks goes out to Evi for sharing his extensive knowledge on Wonder Woman. As always, please subscribe so you can catch all the episodes and tell a friend to listen. My name is CK, and that's the way you see it. Oh, 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 oh